0: And welcome to part 2 of 2 on this episode All about the Mandy Calls thing uh, As this is part 2, you should really go back and listen to part 1 uh, It wouldn't make any sense this time. <laughs> uh, If you haven't already done so So if you haven't, uh, go ahead and just grab that episode from the same feed or site or, or iTunes That's in the exact same place you found this episode So uh, just go back and grab that first uh, But for now, let's go ahead and continue with part 2 of this episode now
1: Yes, little cliffhanger I left you guys on <laughs> October twenty first, day before my birthday of ninety six, during a match with Fake Sting, Sting <laughs> would appear behind him, except it was no, it wasn't the Sting we knew. See, at this point, we had had n- come to know and love what people collectively call a Surfer Sting, even though he never once held a surfboard or anything like that. But, <laughs> but it was like blonde, spiky hair. Later, rolled back, uh, blonde hair. Colorful tights with uh, colorful scorpions on it and colorful face paint on it, but now that was gone. Just like WCW had killed, you know, the humanity <laughs> in him by killing the trust in him in his character. Uh, what came back was a version of Sting that was wearing a black trench coat, wearing white and black face, white and black face paint. Um, and to dumb it down a little bit, he was basically the crow, if you saw that movie. <laughs> yeah. And this would lead to what is affectionately known as, Col- as Crow Sting. And this was the very first time aim uh, we saw this character, as he took out the imposter right, ran rather handily, using debuting his new finisher, the Scorpion, de- the Scorpion Death Drop, as he just simply used the death lock before. And the NWO at this time him started surrounding the ring and then started to smile. Finally, Ted DiBiase would enter the ring and offer Sting a spot. Not a dog spot or liver spot, but a spot <laughs> in the NWO. Telling him that while WCW betrayed you, he would be al- he would be always NWO for life. Sting responded with, Sting might not be in the NWO's price range. And said a line that has become one of my favorite lines in the history of professional wrestling. The only for sure thing in life is nothing's for sure. And with with that, he walked right out. Not giving anyone an answer. From here on, Sting never wrestled or spoke for a long time.
0: A real, real long time
1: like you would see him in the rafters like you'd there'd be like monday night i almost said raw monday night nitros where you'd look up and it'd show like a scene of him walking in the rafters above like batman but that was it however other times he'd rappel down he'd take out somebody either from wcw or the nwo which led a question of whose side is he on and he started using a black baseball bat reminiscent of what the nwo would use in some of their sneak attacks and this in time would become one of the character's signature and for for a while this led to a long long period where wcw guys were begging and apologizing to sting for doubting him saying that they needed him now more than ever and to <laughs> come back to his roots nwo was pretty was a confident that in time sting would see the light And B, pretty ecstatic that the number one defender of WCW was no longer a threat and just continued to wreak havoc on WCW. For a brief time, actually, believe it or not, Macho Man joined Sting's cause when he was booted out of the NWO in (laughs) January of 97. He was blackballed from WCW as the president of WCW, was Eric Bischoff, was also the figurehead of the NWO and said, Savage... Savage wasn't allowed to sign with WCW. <laughs> so, as he would proclaim, he was a free agent and joined up with Sting in the rafters. Unfortunately, it didn't last long as at Super Bowl seven. Savage walked away from Sting to help Hogan beat Piper and rejoin the NBO.
0: <laughs> Real nice uh, commitment there from uh, Mattro
1: Indeed. And if I could say something on it, I know Joe isn't a fan or at least says that this whole waiting and waiting thing was crazy, but the build up for it was perfect because you know everything hinged on what decision sting made and if this was written if the ending was better like imagine if uh starcade which we'll get to in a second imagine if that was actually good or didn't have the
0: colossal bungle <laughs> that it was oh man uh. i mean it's just weird that the top like it's like i can't imagine wwe or wwf ever doing something like this where you take the top the absolute top guy in your company and just say, All right, you're just gonna hang out over there, uh as far away from the ring as we could possibly put you in this arena uh and make sure you're not wrestling for over a year.
1: You're really close to describing Brock Lesnar just saying.
0: <laughs> but even he shows up every few months.
1: Yeah, that's few well, It could be oh, it's not, he's not gonna wrestle again until SummerSlam, dude. We're not gonna see him for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, not in a whole year. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> not-
1: Finally, on March 9, 97, Sting made his choice. After the NWO had emerged victorious in a battle royal, Sting repelled as he would. He would actually repel down from the rafters, which looked really, really cool. And then the whole thing with Owen happened. Yeah, and they
0: were like, yeah, like, maybe we shouldn't.
1: <laughs> Sting would uh, reveal in uh, his little uh, movie that he did called The, the Moment of Truth which I'll talk a little bit about at the end here. He actually talked about it being terrified, and at first openly said, no, I'm never doing this. But he decided to do it, and you know, <laughs> for, the few time, for the times that he did do it, it was really, really awesome. He rappelled down to the ring and just looked at everyone in the ring. Everyone was like, all right, he's finally here. And then took out his baseball bat and went to town on Hall, Nash, and Savage. <laughs> and then Scorpion Jeff dropped all three of them. Finally, he looked to Hogan, who was outside the ring, and pointed the bat at him and threw the bat away. And Hogan, kind of uncharacteristic for his heel run, slowly walked into the ring, tried to do battle with Sting, and was scor- was ultimately Scorpion Death Dropped as well. And the crowd erupts. Sting is with WCW. Sting would go on to attack members of the NWO, save WCW guys from NWO attacks, <laughs> And test people's loyalties. Do you remember?
0: You should detail this.
1: Uh, well, essentially, he would rappel down and look at a guy, and the correct thing to do would be to turn your back on Sting and hold your arms out. And if you know, if he hit you, if he didn't hit you, then you passed. <laughs> Though I swear there were times he did hit you, even if you turned your back on him. <laughs> Most people at first would just like. You know, swing at him or something, and then Sting. Then we knew, oh, he was actually a member of the NWO the whole time, because you know, Sting was kind of like Batman at this point. <laughs> and anyway, so he would attack, and st- but still, never wrestled, just did sneak attacks or what have you. Still appears appeared a lot more than Brock, just to defend that back. <laughs> so, WCW president at the time, J.J. Dillon, tried to get Sting to wrestle against. <laughs> Like, hey, remember when you used to wrestle? Indeed. He would c- go up to him. <laughs> he would go up to All right, we got you a match with Hall, or we got you a match with Six. It's, and, six. Uh, six. was <laughs> like, no, nah, I'll just stay in the Raptors, thanks. <laughs> St- 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 and Sting would refuse many times, oftentimes just tearing up the contract in front of JJ and walking away. Finally, Dylan gave up and finally asked, all right, who do you want? And Sting didn't uh, say anything. He simply pointed to a sign in that the fans read
0: aloud that simply read Vincent. No, I'm just kidding. It's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like I haven't been in the ring in a while, so I, I need to go with Vincent before I go with Hulk uh, Hogan. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> got to so, get that ring rust off.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: oh, uh, Sting got his witch. The match was made for... WCW Starrcade 97. And this is another match we've gone into, haven't we, Joe? Yep. <laughs> uh, so, good, just to quickly go through with it, because we've only discussed this once. The finish, what, the, the first start of the sp- finish was be Hogan, Pinsting, and then Nick Patrick, the referee, does a fast count. Yeah. And which would cause Bret Hart to say, no, I'm not letting this happen again. Restart the match and Sting goes over clean. Now, rumors going on about this is at first, you know, Nick Patrick was told to do a slow count or told to do a fast count. And then rumors that Hulk Hogan, for whatever reason, said, you know, you should do a slow count there, brother. (laughs) So Nick Patrick. Decided to the best way to compromise was to combine a slow count with a fast count,
0: which is a normal count. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> like that was still three normal seconds. Why did you do that? <laughs> Indeed,
1: and it, it's pretty, and it's kind of depressing in hindsight. Because, like I said, the buildup was magnificent. I would put it, I would put the build like like number two next to Savage and Hogan. I obviously would. Yeah. However, the execution threw all of that into the toilet. Because, <laughs> you know, in an instant, Hogan goes over clean. I mean, there, there's no controversy here. But unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, you know, that nobody, like, reacts on the moment. Nobody, like, does anything on the fly. They just say, all right, this is the script. We're just going to go by, by with it. So Sting kind of looks like he got, like, he effed Hogan over. <laughs> And it ruined the whole thing, and it's a shame because if it just been like another six seconds, we would have had something. We'd have had something really great here. But
0: uh, like, I mean, it should have just been Sting going over clean. Because I mean, come on, <laughs> like he hadn't wrestled in a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a top face in the company. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the easiest match in the world to book.
1: Indeed, indeed, but so. <laughs> So we go to the next night on Nitro, and Hogan protested to finish, and rightfully so. <laughs> he, and he was given a rematch. And I ask the question, why? Because if you think about it from a story perspective, here, you know, Hogan just got done like lambasting WCW at every which way in turn. You know, like he created an organization called the NWO to put WCW out of business. Why would you ever give this dickhead another shot at the title? <laughs> Because it's the sportsman like thing to do. Still, it was like, all right, <laughs> all right, Doctor Evil, we'll give you one more shot to destroy the world. <laughs> anyway, so the match, the match was the main event for that Nitro, but it went longer than uh, Nitro had time for. So the full match ended <laughs> aired on Thunder. What? <laughs> and-
0: <laughs> How does that happen? Oh. Well, turn, it, own, turn it on, WCW, and the network it runs on. Uh, why wouldn't it just let it go over a few minutes? Well, welcome
1: to WCW. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the hell happened over there? You
1: know, it, it's funny. Just like talking through just simply one guy's career, I kind of understand why it would go under. It's just like, <laughs> oh, good
0: lord, man. Oh.
1: So two refs would actually declare two. Each st- one would declare stinger a stinger winner. One would declare Hogan a winner. So, Dylan, now keep in mind, this is WCW, in the event of a contested finish, you must strip the guy of the title even if he hasn't done anything. What? So, Dylan, for whatever the reason, with one guy leading an evil group bent <laughs> on destroying the company, decided to vacate the title. <laughs> oh, and Sting was rightfully pissed off at Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> So rematch uh, was set for Super Bowl in 98. And thanks again from help with uh, the Macho Man, Sting would retain. (laughs) Thank God. Good Lord, man. Uh, And Sting was a fighting champion, uh, defending against such guys as Hall, Nash, and DDP. When defending against Savage at Spring Stampede, Kevin Nash joined Savage in uh, the split from NWO Hollywood. And Savage had once again left NWO Hollywood. And Nash was starting to have his own issues with Hollywood Hogan. So he helped Savage become the new champion. Around this time, this is when we started getting multiple factions of the NWA. <laughs> yep. As you would have uh, Kevin Nash and Randy Savage heading up the Wolf Pack, and they would go, go to fair pretty well in the NCAA as well, <laughs> wearing uh, black and red. While the black and white guys were called NWO Hollywood for, you know, the obvious reason that they were aligned with Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> Both guys vied for Sting for s- some reason. Because, I mean, you know, Hollywood side, yeah, good luck there. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? Why would ever? And NWO Wolfpack, you know, you just fucked him out of the title. I mean, <laughs> but for what? Oh, I can explain why. Uh, NWO Wolfpack would get his friend to the end, Lex Luger, to join and Lex Luger worked his magic and convinced Sting to join Team Wolfpack
0: because man if there's there's nothing in the world easier than convincing Sting to join uh, forces with questionable allies. Yeah, he went right
1: up to him and said, "Hey Sting, you want to form a stable?" I'm like, "Well, I've been thinking about it." And you not
2: sure. You know what? It's like, you know, oh, yeah. 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 Sting, what are you doing?
1: I would have of- I really would have loved it if that was their entire gimmick as friends. And, like, just Lex Luger <laughs> talking him into things.
0: That's basically, that's, that seems to be everything going on in WCW. <laughs>
1: and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I actually like the NWO Wolfpack, because it pretty much had, like, all my favorite guys and Conan in one group. It was pretty good. <laughs> yep. I like how you, how you qualify that, and Conan. <laughs> he was there just to get pinned. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> It was like it was five guys. You had Conan or K Dog, as he was called. Sting, Luger, Nash, and Savage, and it was like the elite five and Conan. Okay, elite four and Conan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like Pokemon. Indeed, Uh, they would have a pretty good run, and Sting would then team up with the then WCW guy, the Giant, at Slamboree '98, and they beat the the tag team champions, the Outsiders. They won after Hall turned on Nash and revealed that both he and Giant were actually on Team Hollywood. Well, you can't have a Team Hollywood guy be the champion with a Team Wolfpack guy, Joe. (laughs) So since they couldn't get along, they had to get it on. And they did so at the Great American Bash at 98, where Sting won control as they wrestled for control of the tag team titles. Sting would win, and he chose Nash as his partner. That's pretty much it there. Uh, the duo- <laughs> well done. <laughs> the duo would then feud with NWO Hollywood throughout the summer. Hart and Nash... Oh, Hart and Nash? Okay, Sting and Nash finally lost the belts to Hall and the Giant when Bret Hart cost them the titles at the July 20th Nitro. This would sow the seeds for the beginning of a Sting versus Bret feud, as Brett was ticked off that Sting was using his finisher, even though, like I mentioned in the very first episode, Sting had been using it for a lot longer. <laughs> but it led to actually one of my little my personal favorite matches. It just, as Bret Hart, who's like my all-time favorite wrestler, and I love Sting to death, and here they are wrestling. So this was kind of a dream match for me. Even even though it ends kind of violently with Sting, with Bret Hart <laughs> taking Sting's own bat and beating him in the head multiple times to pin him.
0: Cool guy, Mr. Hitman.
1: <laughs> to be fair, that's exactly what a hitman would do.
0: right? <laughs> Not very chill, Mr. Hart.
1: <laughs> it's like you're leaving evidence all over the place. there.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> Sting would be out of action for a while at this point and wouldn't come back until March of 1999. At this point, the NWO wolf Wolfpack was long gone, so he came back as the crow. <laughs> he st- at this time, he started doing a lot more mic work, talking, and uh, he sounds kind of like how he sounds, pretty much exactly how he sounded when he signed with WC- WWE and uh, started uh, doing mic work towards the final weeks leading to Mania. Sadly, this is also where WCW started getting really stupid, and That's saying something considering some of the things (laughs) I've been telling you. Uh, And uh, I I write here to mention this, like, when I'm talking about Sting and what he's doing, it's going to feel very abrupt, like, because that's how quickly things would change in WCW. Like, he'd be feuding with Luger, and then for no reason, it's Shane Douglas, or it's like, it just, things would just happen all the time, so... As for instance, he comes back to compete in a four corners match for the world title (laughs) at Spring Stampede in 99, which was won by uh, DDP. Yep. Sting rebounded and won the title from DDP on April 26 on Nitro. This would be his uh, fifth title reign for those keeping score. Sting would defend the title later in the night in a four corners match because that's always great. (laughs) <laughs> against DDP, Nash, and Goldberg. Uh, DDP would hit the diamond cutter on Nash, and Sting would lose the belt within the same night. Nice. Sting would then go into a feud with Rick Steiner at the Great American Bash in a Falls Count Anywhere match for the TV title. Joe, you're going to think I'm kidding, but this is the end of the match. Sting lost after he was attacked by Rick's three attack dogs backstage. <laughs> Steiner would then force the ref to declare him the winner after yelling at the ref, Yeah, my dog's pinned him for me. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. That was the end of the match. Sting would then float around, getting in feuds with Goldberg, Rick Steiner, Sid Vicious, and Macho Man Randy Savage. Sting would then team with WCW world champion Kevin Nash at Bash at the Beach 1999 to take on Macho Man and Sid Vicious. The stip was the winner, got, the man who pinned the guy, got the world title. Savage pinned Nash and thus became uh, the new champion. Sting then entered a feud with Ric Flair. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the story being Flair was the president of WCW at the time and had literally gone mad with power. Uh, even doing like one of my favorite, uh, favorite uh, gimmicks at the time, he took his son David Flair and made him the United States champion. <laughs> and whenever David Flair would have to interfere, it was just the horseman like, interfering in every facet of the match to <laughs> try <trying laughs> to keep him to keep it. Oh, it was great. But anyway, Sting, so he'd gone mad with power, so Sting finally went to him and said, all right, dude, it, it's time to go. So he faced Flair <laughs> on July 19th. Sting would beat Flair in a match where the presidency was on the line. And as a result, Sting became president of WCW. <laughs> as well, he should indeed. He was president for one week, as he <laughs> used his power to make a main event match pitting him, pitting him and Hulk Hogan versus Nash and Sid Vicious, and then vacated the position after saying no one should have that power. To which
0: <laughs> WCW. <laughs> it's it's not the Infinity Gauntlet! <laughs> okay, Sting, geez. Just, just chill out, calm down. It's, it's just the presidency of a failed wrestling organization. It's the not way, the St- Infinity Gauntlet.
1: By the way, this is not the last time that Sting would treat the presidency as the Infinity Gauntlet. No really man should wield such power! <laughs> And it should be noted that, you know, it's not like the presidency goes away. WCW just made a new president.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not like becoming WCW president gives you control of time and space. Uh, Like, the best you can do as WCW president is get, like, 50% off your order at, at, like, Sizzler or something. I mean, to defend Sting, I mean, he does have a valid
1: point. If you become the GM, the president, or whatever of a wrestling company, eventually you're going to turn into an asshole. I mean, (laughs) it's just a matter of time. (laughs) At some point, Sting's pal, Lex Luger, started telling Sting that he couldn't trust Hogan. And, you know, it, just like sequences of Luger saying, hey, he's going to turn NWO again. <laughs> as a, as a, this is where I start to intersect with quite a bit of uh, Joe's uh, Hogan review. As uh, Hogan had just gone back to the yellow and red, but Luger told Sting that he was going to double cross him, and it was implying that he was going to reform the NWO. As you know, they showed like picture. He he would like show Sting pictures of Hogan dressed in as uh, Hollywood Hogan, like at his house, because that clearly that shows he's getting ready to turn. <laughs> and, clearly, and then they would go to the back to Hogan's dressing room, and he'd be talking with Ho- with Macho Man, or like, oh, whatever reason could him and Macho Man be
2: talking about?
1: <laughs> and so, was,
0: what could two wrestlers possibly have in common?
1: Indeed, especially ones with <laughs> such a storied history as Votra Man and Hulk. <laughs> Oh, man, oh, man. But uh, anyway, I'll get that out of here. And so, they would face each other. Sting and Hogan faced off at the main event of Fall Brawl 99 for the WCW title. People expected Hulk to turn, but swerve. Sting turns for the first time in WCW history and strikes Hogan with the bat that was given to him by Luger. And, uh, small spoiler, this would be, six, be Sting's sixth and final WCW title reign. <laughs> uh, this ter- this turn was uh, very poorly received, as people still wanted to cheer Sting. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't going away. So, was, yeah, they still cheered him on, even though he was acting like a heel. Hulk and Sting would have a rematch at Halloween Havoc. Or, they were to uh (laughs) hogan uh, this you may remember joe this is when hogan came out in street clothes and just laid down for sting yep as per why once again check out that hulk hogan episode (laughs) sting was unsatisfied with winning like this so just like any heel would he issued an open challenge for later in the night so he could win honestly what a (laughs) great heel (laughs) what a guy (laughs) Goldberg answered the challenge and killed Sting.
0: Murdered him dead.
1: hmm in, <laughs> in an unsanctioned match, <laughs> thinking he won the title. Now, Joe, uh, you know what an unsanctioned match is, right? Who even knows what that means anymore in WCW? Well, okay. Well, I- I'll tell you. At least going by the WWE definition of an unsanctioned match, and I... Going by what happens next, I believe it's correct. As uh, it's a match not recognized in the books of uh, the company you're wrestling for, so it's like as if it didn't happen, and thus you know they're absolved from being sued or what have you. Typically, this is reserved for like blood feuds, or you know, WWE, (laughs) where the company can't guarantee that it's going to be safe. But sure, let's just have it be for a match with no heat whatsoever, made on the spur of the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So Goldberg thought he won a match that was not recognized a world title for a company that uh, didn't recognize the match sting would appear on the next night on nitro and demand the title back because of this reason but president jj dillon the same president that took over that president spot because sting decided to just drop it like the <laughs> infinity gauntlet <laughs> it's too much for one man Oh, God, it's too much. You can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But President JJ said since Sting put his hands on a WWE official, WCW official, Charles Robinson, which he did in the course of the match, he was. What do you think, Joe? Worth it. He was stripped of the title! (laughs) Which raises some questions, Joe. (laughs) Number one, what the hell was an official doing in an unofficial match?
0: Well, someone's gonna count.
2: No, you don't. A, <laughs> they're, you
0: just they just fight till it's over. That's a, well, how that, do you know it's over? It's a,
1: it was because that that's how the Jericho and Shawn Michaels went. <laughs> like Shawn just like kicked the freaking Y Two J a million times in the face and just left because there was no ref. It was an unscheduled <laughs> match. Oh, also, why is WCW so trigger happy about vacating the title? Oh. I don't know. It's like I, – I remember watching uh, this show. It's uh, called OSW Review. It's a good – it's a great show if you guys listen to it. But they actually, like, did for, like, the last five years of WCW or the last year of WCW's life how the belt changed hands, like, 26 times in one year. Yeah. And, like, abeyance, which means va- vacated, won it eight times that year. <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: The sing, the single greatest champion of that year. Oh, Vacated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so St- so it was decided that the belt would be put up in a 32-man tournament. Sting would go on to defeat Brian Knobs, Ming, and Lex Luger to advance to the semifinals at WCW Mayhem in 99. Sting would lose to Hart, Hart in the tournament thanks to Luger hitting him with the baseball bat. Sting would then shake hands with Bret Hart afterwards, turning face again. Hart, by the way, would go on to win the match. But once again, that's another Slam U episode for another day. Sting would seek revenge on Luger at Starcade 99. Sting won by DQ after Luger and his valet, Miss Elizabeth, assaulted Sting with a chair and a baseball bat, and Sting would be out of action for some time. It would be at this time that Lex Luger would go on a gimmick where he would repeat the same thing he did to Sting <laughs> to other people, where he would essentially break people's arms with the baseball bat and chair, which led to, and I'm not kidding, a Lumberjack cast match <laughs> at Starcade 99 between Sting and Luger. And Joe, do you, would you care to know what a Lumberjack cast match is? It sounds awful. It, oh, uh, didn't I tell you things? This is where things get stupid. <laughs> this, so all those people that Lex Luger broke the arms of, they were surrounding the rings with their arms <laughs> still in casts, and would do the jobs as laundry, lumberjacks with broken arms, of course, because that's fair.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, it is. Oh, it is just so. It was so bad. Oh. I'm not sure you have my wealth, my best interest
0: in mind. Uh, WCW.
1: <laughs> That is your sixth contender right there. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, it was at this point, that, uh, now, Sting would go over, thank, thanks in part to Vampiro, who would form a very brief uh, team-up with Sting as the brothers in paint, as they would call themselves. Then on April 10th, 2000, it was a pretty significant time at WCW as Vince Russo and Bischoff teamed up to run WCW behind the scenes, but decided to make it a shoot, which WCW loved back then. (laughs) They essentially took out uh, WCW's cartridge, blew into it to reset it, and uh, started by stripping everyone of the belts. Once again, they love stripping belts in this (laughs) company. Vacated all of them and did tournaments to declare new champions. Sting made it to the finals of the U.S. tourney, beating Booker T and Vampiro in the first rounds. He would unfortunately lose to Scott Steiner at Spring Stampede 2000 after Vampiro interfered. This would lead to a feud with Vampiro, as, you know, I guess because they both wear face paint is the story, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Sting would absolutely destroy Vampiro at Slamboree 2000. Like it wasn't even a match. <laughs> <I'm> freaking <laughs> a. They would go. They would have another match though at the Great American Bash, as they would face off in a Human Torch match. <laughs> uh, sadly, it was not clobbering time in this match. Oh. Uh, as the end came, Sting and Vampiro had climbed to the top of the Titantron for whatever reason, and Vampiro lit Sting on fire and (laughs) threw him from the top of the Titantron. So he was out for quite a while after
2: that.
1: (laughs) Sting would, uh, then, when he came back, he would go on to enter brief feuds with Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett, and then Papa Pump would then injure Sting, putting him out of action for the rest of the time until March 26, 2001. Do you re- do you recognize that date, Joe? Uh, what, March 6, 2001? 26, 2001.
0: 26. Oh, well, that would be the very last episode of Money Natural. Very good. I'm impressed. Wow. <laughs> well, the WWE Network is very... <laughs> it likes <laughs> to drill that date, and everybody said... Mm. Like, this is the day we cool our competition. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: So for the final match, uh, they requested Ric Flair wrestle somebody, and he actually personally made the call to Sting. And Sting, you know, showed up. He was like, "Yeah, definitely." So it was very fitting. It is probably the most poetic thing ever that the very first match of the very first main event of Nitro was the final match of Nitro. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, also, because uh, those are two guys, pretty much. Uh, they were pretty much the two guys that were emblematic, emblematic of the good things about uh, WCW, uh, as opposed to you know everybody else that didn't show up to that event, uh, like Nash and and Hogan were just like nowhere to be seen; they were miles away. Uh, whereas you know WCW's real mainstays in, in, in Sting and and uh, Ric Flair, even though he left for a tiny bit, uh, they were both the guys to to really be the foundation of uh, WCW.
1: Oh yeah, and it was. I cried watching this match. It was, <laughs> first of all, it was surreal to change the channel to Raw and then be still watching Nitro <laughs> and vice versa. It was, it, it was a very surreal moment. It was this moment you never thought was going to happen. Then you watched uh, Sting versus Flair and it hit you. This was it. This, was, this <laughs> it is the was, end. It was the night of champions. Indeed. Sting declined WWE's offer. They offered him 50 cents on the dollar to buy out his AOL contract. <laughs> so he decided to just get money by sitting home from AOL until 2002. He points out that he could have joined WWE, but didn't trust him with his character not so, and didn't like the content that was on TV at the time. Just remember that.
0: There's <laughs> <laughs> Bruno San Martino over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Sting would then join, would then temporarily join an international company called World Wrestling All-Stars as uh, he, he would return in the late 2002s after his contract had expired. He toured Europe with the company from November to December, wrestling first in Dublin, Ireland, where he reuni- reunited with his friend to the end, Lex Luger, to beat up Buff Bagwell, which... <laughs> Buff Bagwell and Malice, who you may know from WCW as the Wall.
0: <laughs> no, neither of those names ring any bells. <laughs> but but thanks for playing. You don't know Buff Bagwell? <laughs> well, I know Buff Bagwell. I'm saying okay. I don't. He's the the Wall or <laughs> Malice. or Malice. It's like no, nope, neither of those. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm
1: guessing he's a guy who's gonna like amount it to nothing here, but if you go international, he's like the man all over. <laughs> Like Tyson Tomko is a legend in
0: Japan, believe it or not. Sure, yeah.
1: And like Tensai is a kind of a joke here, but oh yeah,
0: he's huge in Japan. Oh yeah,
1: Uh, literally and figuratively. Hey, oh no. (laughs) Uh,
0: What was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, I was going to add to this. Oh, Buff Bagwell, by the way. Uh, Yeah, him. uh, He's a gigolo now, which is real gross. (laughs) He's so gross. Even
1: uh, even grosser, he made a sacor movie for Cinemax, so that was great.
0: Ugh. <laughs> like who'd ever pay for Buff Bagwell to be naked in front of them? The it was worst. funny because
1: uh, he did two technically. As the movie got a sequel, <laughs> he was essentially Tatanka in the first one, and then he was just Buff Bagwell in the second one. <laughs> oh. and yes, folks, he does scenes, and it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's, it's yeah. he's got the stuff. Uh,
0: <laughs> Let's move on, please.
1: Uh, okay, there were well, you never see the stuff for what it's worth. <laughs> please it's like, move on. Okay. So oh anyway, God! So December sixth in two thousand two in Glasgow, Scotland, aka their Retribution uh, pay per view, Sting lost to his friend of the na- to the end, Lex Luger, in a bout for the vacant W.W.A. World Heavyweight Title. Sting would win the title, however, in seven days from Lex Luger in a rematch at Zurich, Switzerland. Sting would sign on to do another tour where where in May of 2003, he successfully defended the belt against Rick Steiner, Shane Douglas, and top heavyweight over at WCW, Disco Inferno. (laughs) On the final show on May 25th in Auckland, New Zealand, Sting lost the belt. To NWA Heavyweight Champion Jeff Jarrett, who unified the titles at the end of the promotion. So it's kind of like a. uh, That's kind of cool. So the belt kind of lives on as unified with the NWA title. Yeah. Sting would be gone for a little while until June 18th, 2003, when a company by the name of TNA asked (laughs) them to appear for them. He did a first appearance on that date, teaming up with Jeff Jarrett to defeat. The team of AJ Styles and Sixpoc. Following. <laughs> following this, Sting would sit down with commentator Mike Tenay who discussed his career and his faith. Sting would return on November fifth, two thousand three, and defeated Jarrett by DQ in a match for the NWA title. At this point in TNA, they didn't have a TNA title; it was just the NWA title. Right. So. November 12th, he teams up with Styles and takes on Jarrett and his friend to the end, Lex Luger.
0: You <laughs> keep saying it, way It's never that
2: funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's, it's his entire... I, I would love it if, uh, like, he turns in Mexico and he's not called Lex Luger. He's just called Sting's friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just imagining them just push, taking turns pushing each other on a swing set <laughs> in a park somewhere.
1: <laughs> oh, man. His final 2003 appearance was on December 17th, defeating Jarrett once again in a non-title match. On March 24th, Sting was interviewed once again by Mike Tenay as part of the promotion for his direct-to-video bio, Sting, The Moment of Truth. Joe, have you <laughs> seen this video, by the way?
0: No, I have not. <sighs> I, wasn't even, I was not even aware of its existence uh, until right this second.
1: It's like obviously this was a pet project by Sting, meant to show off, you know, how Faith helped him in wrest- in his wrestling career. Um I would recommend it to people in the same way I would recommend uh, No Holds Bar to people. <laughs> oh man. It is so bad. It is <laughs>
0: terrible. What exactly about it is so bad.
1: Just the just the quality, like He's interviewed by this like this uh, news reporter who they pin- who's like this complete dork, and <laughs> then later he's interviewed by this guy who runs a blog who's a complete mark, and just like <laughs> the whole story, this, the, it's it's so weird. Uh, this one, folks, you know, you know, I, I try not to do this too much, but you could actually see this on YouTube. Uh, check it out. It's oh my god. It's-
0: and what's it called again?
1: Sting, the moment of truth. Okay. And uh, so Sting got a lot of footage from TNA for this. Like, there's even... They show a lot of matches with Jared on there. And they even have, like, this uh, weird uh, performed for the movie wrestling match with Abyss on there. Where where Sting wins with his uh, signature finisher, of course, the Top Rope Splash. (laughs) So... In return for this, I guess Sting decided to return some more for him, as uh, he would later return for one night only to be the special guest ring enforcer for a match between Abyss, AJ Styles, Raven, and Ron Killings.
2: <laughs>
1: Sting would make <laughs> his... Art <Our> true <laughs> little Maggle. <laughs> oh, he's got a bright future ahead of
2: him. All right.
1: <laughs> TNA in 2005... After Jarrett won at the December 11th Turning Point pay-per-view, the arena went black and images of scorpions appeared all over the place. And then the date of January 15th, 2006 appeared. (laughs) Finally, Jake
0: the Snake coming to TNA. (laughs) (laughs) That may have happened.
1: Uh, Spotlights (laughs) then focus on a chair with Sting's signature leather jacket, boots, and a black baseball bat. If you couldn't get the point, then on January first, <laughs> uh, they pretty much just came out on TNA and said, "Yeah, it's dang." It's, it's <laughs> I wonder if Vince like called them up, like they're too stupid to figure it out. Just tell them. <laughs> on the fifteenth, final resolution, it was actually a pay per view. He came out and teamed with Christian Cage, aka Christian, to beat Jeff Jarrett <laughs> and Monte Brown this pay-per-view would actually go down as the most purchased pay-per-view in the company's history. January 28th, Sting appeared on Impact to tell everyone that his appearance was a one-off and he came back because he never had a chance to say goodbye, which (laughs) is what that match was. With that, he left his bat in the ring and walked away and left. And folks, that is the end of the Sting... No, I'm just kidding. There's 10 more years left. Uh, Heels (laughs) Eric Young... (laughs) And Jeff Jarrett didn't trust Sting had actually retired because, you know, if we proved anything with this uh, report here is that Sting is a well-known liar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a terrible judge of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: they would send Alex Shelley to videotape Sting at home to prove that he was retired because, as we all know, Joe, uh, working wrestlers never go home. Nope. Nope. They they just buy a house and just not <laughs> use it. <laughs> Sting found Shelley trespassing on his lawn and didn't call the cops, thankfully, but simply told Jarrett that he'd show up at Destination X as Steve Borden, and he did. He came out in street clothes, no paint, and saved Christian Cage and Rhino as they were being attacked by Jarrett's, sta- Jarrett's stable called Jarrett's Army. He even had Jarrett in the Scorpion Deathlock until he until Jarrett was saved by a debuting Scott Steiner. <laughs> Sting returned and wrestled in his first televised match in five years on april thirteenth, two thousand six, beating Eric Young. He was attacked by Jarrett, Scott Steiner, and America's Most Wanted after the match until they were saved by AJ Styles, Ron Killings, and <laughs> Rhino. He announced that he would be teammates to take on Jeff Jarrett's army at lockdown in the Lethal Lockdown match. Uh, For those of you wondering what a Lethal Lockdown match is, it's essentially war games. (laughs) On April 23rd, Sting's team won at Lethal Lockdown when Sting made Chris Harris, one of America's Most Wanted, tap out. Following lockdown, Sting started looking for partners to take on Steiner and Jarrett. We got some fun cameos at this point, as Lex Luger showed up, auditioning for the job, as did Buff Bagwell, and finally, Rick Steiner, the guy who had his dogs pin him. <laughs> However, the nod would go to upstart Samoa Joe, and that sacrifice on May 14th, Sting and Joe went over. Sting continued his feud with Jeff Jarrett, next by participating in a King of the Mountain match. For Jeff Jarrett's world title. Hey, Joe, would you like <laughs> to know what a
0: King of the Mountain match is? It sounds it sounds real good. Oh. Sounds like it should be a real great match, Malcolm.
1: The rules are three paragraphs long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's like usually five to seven competitors. The competitors in the match start off as ineligible to win. <laughs> okay. In order to become eligible to win, a wrestler must score a pinfall or submission on an opponent. The opponent who submits or is pinned is forced to spend two minutes in a penalty box cage on the outside of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm selling the first paragraph. More than oh God. more than one wrestler can be in the cage. This often results in the wrestlers fighting inside the cage or for or forming some kind of alliance. Once you're eligible, the wrestler may win the match by retrieving the belt and hanging it on a hook su- suspended above the ring with the aid of the ladders. So the uh, the belt itself isn't on the hook hovering over the ring. You have to first get it and then hang it up.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: uh. I, I, this is only the second paragraph. Oh, God! Uh, <laughs> a TNA official maintains possession of the belt and circles the ring like a shark, staying out of the action as much as possible. Great. When a wrestler wishes to hang the belt, he wants to retrieve it, retrieve it from the official. Once the belt is in play, any other wrestler who is eligible... May, to win the match, may attempt to steal the belt and hang it. Once the belt has been dropped and no wrestler is attempting to hang it, a referee must return the belt to the official. Paragraph 3. The matchup is similar to the more common ladder match, which has the belt suspended above the ring, and the winner is the one who retrieves it. The king of the matter, ladder, king of the mountain match, is considered backwards in nature to the ladder match, as to the competitors attempt to hang the belt instead of retrieving it. And
0: uh, I got to be honest here, I I completely lost track of anything you said midway through the second paragraph.
1: Well, Joe, I'm gonna have to send you. I'll start again. The okay. competitors <laughs> in the match. <laughs> That is my seventh contender for worst thing ever, just the existence of the King of the Mountain match. (laughs) Anyway, Jeff Jarrett retains. Sting would then next wrestle in a number one contender's fatal four-way against Samoa Joe, Christian Cage, and Scott Steiner at Victory Row 2006. Jarrett, dressed as a cameraman, came down to the ring and threw gasoline in Sting's eyes. What? What? Why gasoline in specific, I'm not exactly sure. It's not like he lit it on fire afterwards, but... <laughs> Sting had to be taken into the back, and the match continued as a three-way. However, Sting, with his eyes bandaged up, found his way to the ring, and just grabbed and hit a scorpion death drop on the first guy who bumped into him, which was Steiner, <laughs> and won the match. So, that way to get that kid Steiner over. Sting <laughs> would then get a shot at Jarrett at Hard Justice in 06. He failed thanks to a sudden heel turn from Christian Cage. Sting wanted another match and challenged Jarrett at Bound for Glory of that year in 06. Jarrett would only accept if Sting put his career on the line. Now, Sting accepted, and he did something (laughs) that... He does something here I wish more wrestlers would do. As he left, he he stopped appearing on on TV or in matches... And he left to go train, and which is great because I wish that C- – this is what Cena did. After he lost to Brock and wanted to initiate his rematch, you see him go off and train become stronger. So it's like, okay, now I can see why he's doing better in this match instead of just – I'm just going to win this time and that's it. I mean, that's... <laughs> right. So we saw him train and we actually saw sort of a transformation appearing within him and a lot of Bible references in this one about you know metamorphosis and what have you, but <laughs> – uh, Kurt Angle, who had just uh, debuted in the company, was made the special guest ref to make sure everything was called down the line. And Sting uh, came out, and it was really cool, because he basically took Surfer, Crow, and Wolfpack Sting, and created this amalgamation of all three characters, and it actually looks really good. It's not too far, it's not too different from what he looks like, like uh, coming out, it was like colorful, yet Still had the dark, black and red colors, and there was like r- red streaks and the black and white face paint. It actually, re- looked really good. I recommend you le- look it up. And this matchup was actually really, really good. And I enjoy I enjoyed two matches out of this era. And uh, St- Sting won his second NWA title by making uh, Jeff Jarrett submit on uh, October twenty second, my birthday, at Bound for Glory. And uh, just some interesting stats here. He became, at this point, the oldest NWA champion in the history of the TNA era. And he was the only guy to win it before and after the inception of TNA. (laughs) And so Sting was chasing this uh, belt for the better part of the year, Joe. It was this huge moment when he finally won. So you would think... (laughs) <laughs> but this is leading to, like, a lengthy reign as champion, you know. Yeah. yeah, He loses it the next month. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he lost it to Abyss at Genesis 2006 by DQ. As uh, the story, <laughs> as uh, I guess that, that was in the rules at the time that Sting could lose it by yeah, DQ. Yeah, I was so. about to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the story then became uh, Sting trying to get a abyss to free himself of his satanic manager james mitchell who that was his gimmick by the way folks that he was satanic so sure very very appropriate <laughs> at this point christian cage got involved saying that he knew a dark secret in abyss's past so a three-way was made between the three at turning point on december 10th of 06 with abyss retaining sting still tried to convince abyss to dump mitchell Failed, he would fail to get the title back at final resolution in a three-way elimination match with Abyss and Cage, and then revealed on public records that Abyss had shot his dad three times in the back. Jesus!
2: Sending him <laughs> in a coma. <laughs> God!
1: Abyss, and, Abyss would then charge at Sting for revealing this <laughs> this information, and in the ensuing brawl, Mitchell threw a fireball in Sting's face. Okay. Okay. Uh,
0: so, so he's a wizard,
1: I guess. Uh huh. So Sting <laughs> would then would then beat Abyss in a prison yard match, and this is the one match one of the matches I couldn't find uh, what that is exactly. Okay. It's probably just a no DQ match, really. So at against all <laughs> odds of 07, uh, Abyss had already lost the title to Christian Cage at this point, so Sting did not get any belts. Sadly. Oh, Sting. Sting would then go on to beat Abyss in a Last Rights match. <laughs> Again, I don't know where this is. What this match is? It's I think it was like a reverse coffin match where you had to like stuff a guy in a casket and then pull him out or something like that. But it's like it was very weird. But you know, Sting won. Sting would then team up with Abyss to take on AJ Styles and Cage as uh, Abyss had finally gotten rid of James Mitchell. <laughs> However, Mitchell would arrive with a woman in tow. Which Abyss saw and caused him to run to leave Sting to fend for himself. On the following impact during a meeting between Sting and James Mitchell, it was revealed that the woman was Abyss's mother, and that she was the one who shot Abyss's <laughs> father. But Abyss took the blame to protect his mom.
0: Why are? But why did? <laughs> and neither of them went to jail after I knew this.
1: No, no, statute of limitations <laughs> and all that. I guess. Sure. Later in the night, Abyss, now realigned with James Mitchell, joined Team Cage in the Lethal Lockdown match, while Sting joined Team Angle. And at the match at Lockdown at 07, Sting pinned Abyss to end the rivalry finally, as he just said, all right, fuck it, dude, you're on your own. (laughs) Sting was supposed to get the world title shot from this pinfall. But the next impact, Kurt Angle, that lovable sore loser, Challenge Sting for that very same number one contendership that he just won. Team Cage, which would later be called the Christian Coalition, consisting of Christian Cage, Tyson Tomko, and AJ Styles, would then interfere, causing the match at the next pay-per-view, Sacrifice of 07, to be made into a triple threat. The day of sacrifice, however, the NWA, now this entire time, folks, this has been the NWA title that they've been playing with, The NWA, owners of the NWA title and world tag team titles, stripped Cage and the tag team champions, then Team 3D, of the belts, the reason being that Cage refused to defend the belts at NWA house shows. Kurt would win the match and become the first TNA champion, but while he had Sting in an ankle lock, Sting was actually covering Cage the whole time. So while uh, Kurt had Sting in the ankle lock, he was actually covering Cage, so the ref should have been counting three, but he decided to accept the tap out, which led to some controversy. And which this led to, guess what happened to the belt, Joe?
0: It was put into a giant shredder. <laughs> it may as well have, because <laughs> it
1: was vacated. Great. And a tournament was created to defend to figure out who would go into another King of the Mountain match to decide who (laughs) would... God damn it! Don't worry, Joe, because Sting didn't didn't qualify for this one thanks Uh... to Christopher Daniels interfering for whatever reason, so Sting just beat the crud out of him at Slammiversary (laughs) 07 instead. (laughs) Sting would then team up with the newly-faced Abyss, and they would take out Cage and Tomko at Victory Road 07. While trying to help Abyss win a match against AJ Styles, the Christian Coalition jumped them both. Sting was slammed into broken glass by Tomco and Abyss was pulled under the ring, then slammed into glass and to thumbtacks right after. Despite this horrible, horrible carnage, <laughs> Sting and Abyss still showed up the next week. <laughs> <laughs> where they won a ladder match that allowed them to pick the step for their match with these guys at victory road. And it ended up being a doomsday cage match, <laughs> which uh, actually I didn't write this down, but I did look it up. Uh, I remember it. Essentially it's a steel cage, like a standard steel cage match. Like you would see at WWE, except the where Usually there's an opening at the top. It's completely covered in uh, barbed wire. Okay. Because the point of it is there is no escape. And a lot of barbed wire on the ceiling. So.
0: Okay. So otherwise a normal cage? Mm-hmm. And they and they call this a Doomsday Cage match, just like they did in WCW, even though they were widely different cages? Yes, sir. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, TNA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the match was actually staying in Abyss, teaming up with Andrew Martin... Also known by some people as Test from the WWE, <laughs> as they took on the Christian Coalition in its entirety, and uh, they would win as uh, Christian Coalition had nowhere to hide. And from there, August 30th, Sting won a fiddle four-way with Styles, Cage, and Joe to become um, a part of the ta- a partner for Kurt Angle as one and a half of the tag team champions. As uh, when the Kurt at this point with Kurt Angle, they were crazy pushing him. <laughs> it's like there was literally one part where he won every single title by himself. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Like the story was, uh, he got like this is the point where he had just beaten Brock Lesnar for the IWGP uh, Championship in Japan, and he right. brought that over to TNA, and he won like another big title. He had like another title from TNA. Meanwhile, Samoa Joe won the tag titles, I think, with Angle, and uh, he also got the X-Division belt. So they literally had a main event match where it was (laughs) for all the belts on the line, like winner take all.
0: Did did they also give him the knockouts title?
1: Sadly, no. That would have been hysterical. (laughs) Like, just give him
0: all the belts. I don't care.
1: And, you know, because Kurt would have taken it. But anyway, Kurt... (laughs) Beats Samoa Joe, so he gets every title in TNA. So he needed a partner. So he was kind of forced to get a partner at this point. So he uh, then did. So he did this little match to figure out who it was, and Sting won. However, they would lose the title 13 days later to the team of, and this is this is candidate number eight, Joe, <laughs> Ron the Truth Killings, and his tag team partner Adam. Pac-Man Jones. A <laughs> uh, failed NFL star. Indeed. You remember this match? No, I've never watched a single
0: TNA match in my life. Maybe like a few.
1: Well, the the thing to note about this one is Adam Pac-Man Jones never tags in, as he was still under contract with the NFL, but was expecting that to go away. <laughs> so TNA, of course, yeah, we'll let him have the tag team titles. <laughs> sure. It was essentially our killings doing the entire work by himself. And uh, during the match, Karen Angle, Kurt's wife at the time, claimed that Sting slapped her for whatever the reason and led to a feud between the two. Kurt would retaliate, which which would also lead to them losing the belts. In retaliation of this, Kurt would then attack Sting's son, Garrett, on impact in a kind of crazy and over-the-top moment on impact. Just... Him beating up his son, for like, just out of nowhere. From this, (laughs) Sting challenged Kurt for the TNA title. On October 14th, Sting overcame Kurt, Nash, and Karen Angle, who all interfered to try to help Kurt to win his first TNA title. Now, keep in mind, I said October 14th. This is important because he would lose it 11 days later (laughs) back to Kurt. On an edition of Impact, I want to stress this real quick because you know something that did bug me from the Macho Man episodes, and I know you don't mean you know you know to you know insult Macho Man, but he said at one point, "Well, I guess Vince was right. There was nothing." Stupid companies do stupid things, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put that on Macho Man because Sting is a draw still, and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> on a special tag match that was made for Genesis. It's uh, Angle teamed with Nash, while Sting would team up with Booker T. With the stipulation, whoever got the pin got the title. Not that it was necessary, because Angle just pinned Sting, and Sting disappears for a while to chill with his family. He wouldn't show up again until March 2008, where he would appear on the the 27th edition of Impact to announce that he was on Team Cage to take on Team Tomco at Lethal (laughs) Lockdown. And, of course, this leads to Team Cage going over. After a failed attempt in a tag team tournament, Singh again, left for a while, and would come back on July 13th of 2008. At Victory Road, Samoa Joe was victorious on a vicious streak with his character, beating up people after the bell. He was uh, the champion, by the way, and he would just, like, just continue to destroy people. <laughs> Sting came back and was trying to convince him, you know, you're taking this too far, you gotta show respect in there, da-da-da-da-da. Joe, however, pushed Sting away and went to continue (laughs) pummeling his friend Booker T. Sting responded by nailing him in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Jeez.
2: (laughs) He's
1: like, alright, what did I tell you about using violence? Bam! (laughs) (laughs) This turned into an angle where Sting began turning on new guys, saying that they needed to learn respect. Like him and Booker T had, this uh, would turn into a title match with Samoa Joe at Bound for Glory in, at Bound for Glory Four in October. After after Nash nailed Joe, Sting emerged victorious and got his second TNA title, or he got the title regardless. And for those of you keeping track at home, Sting is currently undefeated at Bound for Glory pay-per-views. Which,
2: oh, <laughs> which did you know, get?
1: Exactly, so it became like a streak form. <laughs> His first one was in uh, two thousand six, so this is like uh, two years now in the running. <laughs> the illustrious BFG streak. Indeed. I mean well TNA's <laughs> not gonna be around that much. So. None other like it. Sting would then join up with Nash, Booker T, Angle, and Scott Steiner to form a very infamous eye rolling stable called the Main Event Mafia. <laughs> Jeez. Sting was made the godfather of the group, and I'm not kidding, they, were, they called him the godfather.
0: <laughs> was there a, which was a scopo?
1: Uh I guess that would be
0: Angle. <laughs> <laughs> what about his consigliere? Uh, Nash. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I like this. Uh, this isn't as stupid as it sounded at first, but I, I'm into
1: it. <laughs> Sting was healed for the first time in a while, but once again, <laughs> people still cheered. Sting actually had a nice reign here, facing the likes of AJ Styles and Rhino. Sting would finally lose the belt to, of all people, Mick Foley at Lockdown <laughs> 2009. Sure, this is his longest reign in TNA, by the way, at 189 days, as he didn't last the month most other times. <laughs> Sting would continue; would then beat Angle at Sacrifice of 09. Again, to maintain uh, being the godfather of the group. On the impact after Slammiversary, the group attacked and kicked Sting out. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah, I made a mistake. So Sting wasn't the godfather. Kurt Angle was the godfather. And Sting was whatever position that I said Kurt Angle was. So at this point, he just beat Angle and became the new leader of uh, the main event, Mafia, because at this point, they started turning a little vicious as they would do sneak attacks and stuff, which Sting never took part in. Uh-huh. So he was like, all right, we're losing sight here, guys. <laughs> so he t- pulled in the reins a little bit. So after after that, on the impact after Slammiversary, the group would then attack and kick Sting out of the group, making Angle once again the leader. On September 9th, at No Surrender, Angle defended, defeated Sting, Styles, and Sting, Styles, Hernandez, and Matt Morgan to retain the belt. On September 9th, No Surrender, Angle defended against Sting, Styles, Hernandez, and Matt Morgan. Sting would hit the Scorpion Death Drop and could have won, but instead let AJ Styles get the pin and the title. Ingratitude, Styles offered Sting to be the first shot at the pay-per-view that he never lost at, bound for glory. And in, during, in the lead-up to this match, people are, they were starting to lead up that this might be Sting's last match if he didn't win, da 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 da, da. So in a very, very good match, Styles over, and he basically takes Mike and says, I don't know what's going to happen next, <laughs> but if it, this is it, thanks for everything, and he leaves. So Sting would re-debut on January 2010 on the Monday night, Eight edition of Impact on the Rafters. Then finally on In the Ring on March 8th, seemingly to save Hogan and Abyss from Flair and Styles, but he just nails Hogan and Abyss with his bat. (laughs) He'd then go, go on to lose to the debuting RVD that night, and then in turn beat him up with his bat. He was then announced as the captain of Team Flair versus Team Hogan at lockdown 2010. They would lose, unfortunately. (laughs) After beating Jarrett to a pulp at Sacrifice 10, like, I'm not even kidding, he just, like, beats him with his (laughs) bat. He's (laughs) just hitting people at the bat. Take it away. (laughs) After beating Jarrett up to a pulp at Sacrifice, Ace of 2010, he was named a number one contender for... The uh, TNA champion, RVD. Sting thanked Bischoff for making him the the number one contender by hitting him with his bat. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot. Sting <laughs> got a shot at Slammiversary 8. By 8, uh, I mean the Roman numeral there, not the year. But a re- returning Jeff Jarrett would cost him the belt. Sting would attack him again from behind with his bat. Causing Dixie Carter to say, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man, I'm suspending you for 30 days without pay. Sting would then, upon returning, reveal that he had teamed up with Kevin Nash. All this time, he still hasn't explained why he's doing this. They beat up uh, Hogan and Bischoff some more, who were big faces at the time. This is around the time Hogan and Bischoff first entered TNA, and... He was this whole big deal, because they were going to turn TNA completely around. <laughs> by completely around, I mean right into the toilet. So, nice. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe would eventually team up with the Faces, Hogan and Bischoff, and teamed with Jarrett to take on Sting and Nash at No Surrender 10. During this time, another newcomer by the name of D'Angelo De Niro would join Sting and Nash, Saying that he had some uh, d- major dirt on Hogan and Bischoff. It was supposed to be th- De Niro, Nash, and Sting taking on Joe, Hogan, and Jared at Bound for-, for Glory 10. However, Hogan had to get legit back surgery, so the match became a handicap match. <laughs> About halfway through, Jared said F this and left Joe to fend for himself. Not you, Joe. Simone, Joe. <laughs> At this point, Sting and Nash actually uh, took the mic, and Sting said, you know, this is what we're trying to tell you. They're not not—they're not in this for you. They're going to stab you in the back. Joe, however, ignored this and just <laughs> fought on and would end up losing. And they turned out to be right as Hogan and Bischoff turned heel that very night, revealing that they would taken over control of the company and now were in for business for themselves meaning that Sting was actually the face in the entire build. Sting would appear on impact, arguing with Dixie, saying he tried to warn her, but she wouldn't listen, meaning Sting had never turned heel at all. Sting then left the scene due to rage, but in truth, his contract had expired at this point, so he was leaving for a while. (laughs) He would come back on March third, two 2011 as a surprise challenger, and beat uh, Hogan's, uh, Hogan's TNA champion, Jeff Hardy. Sting and this, Joe, <laughs> this is uh, entry number eight for Worst Thing Ever. I give you the main event of Victory Road 2011, Sting <laughs> versus Jeff Hardy. Have you heard about this match?
0: Uh, I've I've only heard that it's a real stinker, but I I don't know the actual circumstances of what makes it so bad. So please elaborate.
1: All right, the
0: entire match.
1: I is mean, it's not. S- I mean, it's
0: not a gimmick match, right? It's not like one. It's not a King of the mountain thing. It's just the regular one-on-one match. I think, really bad. I, I, th-
1: I think it was like a no DQ match for the title. Okay. H- However, the match itself is ninety seconds long, and here's why. <laughs> Great. So. Thing comes to the ring and Jeff Hardy comes to the ring. And there, Jeff Hardy is acting really weird. He is, uh, just taking forever to get in. He's like moving very slowly and awkwardly and kind of stumbles getting to the uh, ring. Oh boy. And from here, you can kind of put two and two together. Jeff Hardy is fucked up right now. Oh uh, boy. He is on the drugs and, uh, Sting's face tells the whole story. Is at this point, you see Bischoff, who was not advertised for the match, come out in a ref's shirt. You hear him say something to Jeff, and Jeff looks pissed. And then you see him hear something say a bunch of things to uh, Sting, but not on the mic. Sting nods and then punches uh, Eric Bischoff. Don't worry, he doesn't hit him with his bat. (laughs) And then uh, him and Jeff Hardy lock up, Sting hits, the, grabs him, turns him, hits the death drop, and then pins him and holds him down. And Sting, Jeff Hardy, by the way, is actually biting Sting at this point to try to get him to get off of him. Sting pins him, gets uh, it's. I don't even know if he was supposed to win here, but he just does. <laughs> I'm guessing not. Yeah, and uh, Sting just grabs the belt, starts walking away, and this was the main event for a pay per view. <laughs> I'll. I'll Imagine WrestleMania, Roman Reigns came out fucked out of his
2: mind.
1: <laughs> and, you know, well, Brock would just beat the shit out of him regardless. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was, you know, Sting's walking to the back. He looks so upset at this point. And, crowd, and somebody in the crowd starts yelling, this is bullshit. And Sting looks right at him and says, I agree. And that's how the show goes off the air. Right. Is. Wasn't a highlight of Jeff Hardy's career, which, no. admittingly, he's come back nicely from. He's uh, I, He hasn't done uh, anything like this since, but not... Oh, man. Uh, Jeff Hardy was taken off TV immediately.
0: Uh, I can't imagine him <laughs> sticking around for very long on TV.
1: Oh, yeah, but he would make his way back to TNA, but not after a lengthy recovery and uh, rehab period. So... Sting would then go on from this debacle to defend the belt against Mr. Anderson, also known as Ke- uh, Mr. Kennedy from WWE and RVD in a three-way lockdown match at uh, lock, Lockdown or a three-way cage match at Lockdown 2011, which he would win. He would, he picked his opponent for Sacrifice 2011, and he picked RVD, someone who uh, to beat the guy who uh, beat him straight up, and he did. Finally, he would lose the belt to Mr. Anderson, thanks to help from Eric Bischoff, who had made him the new heir apparent to be the leader of Hulk Hogan's evil stable called Immortal. <laughs> from from here, Sting's look changed, and he started acting more like the Joker. Like, uh, he would actually paint, you know that weird smile that, he car- that Heath Ledger had for the Dark Knight? Yeah. Yeah, the, he actually painted that on his face, <laughs> okay. As well as make his uh, the darkness around his eyes more exaggerated, like Heath Ledger's Joker. He wore his, he had styled his hair. He basically was Heath Ledger, and he even <laughs> wore like an outfit like the Joker, and started acting really over the top. Like it was like an attempt to like evolve the character again, and I I give him credit for trying, but it didn't work. <laughs> uh, he called himself the insane icon at this point. And would regain the title on July 14th on an edition of Impact. However, he would lose the belt to Angle on August 7th at Hardcore Justice. Yeah, as I'm starting to get to the point that they'll put the belt on Sting in time for a pay-per-view just to get the hit. I'm saying, like, Sting's going to be in the main event and just drop job him out. It's pretty bad,
0: actually. <laughs> That's awful. I know, right? And I call man, we're going to get to see Sting defend the title and then he loses every time. It's like, every time he <laughs> decides to pay for it. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> and people will always do it because they yeah. love Sting. <laughs> yeah, but man, that's that's real shitty on TNA's part. It is. It really is. <laughs> Ang- Angle turned by
1: t- during this match by hitting Sting with a chair that was brought out with him by Hogan as Angle became the newest member <laughs> from Moral. <laughs> Uh, St- on August 18th of Impact, longtime rival Ric Flair made his return to TNA to challenge Sting to a match. Sting accepted and put his career on the line. If Sting, uh, if uh, he promised that Sting uh, or that Flair would give him what he really want. and that was a shot at Hogan. On September 1st of Impact, Sting got his rematch with Angle. But thanks to interference from Hogan and the rest of Immortal, he lost yet again, thus stealing away a shot to get away get his title back. So, and he would also fail again at No Surrender 2011. Sting faced and beat Flair on Impact on September 15th, and got the shot at Hogan at Bound for Glory. Oh, it's his man.
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: undefeated indeed. After some ridicule from Sting, Hogan agreed to put Controlled Company on the line, because why
0: not? Well, well, Sting obviously would just back out, because no man should have that power. Oh, indeed. (laughs) Indeed. It's it's an easy victory for Hogan.
1: Oh, Joe, Joe. You make that joke, but... Anyway, I I would... This is Bound for Glory 2011. I would recommend you guys check out this match, Hulk Hogan versus Sting, because... Um, Hogan wasn't in a good way at this time. No. Because, uh, he's wearing, like, this incredible waist, waist guard around his stomach and back. He's got these, uh, big braces, big red braces. He And I'm not even joking. He looks like Iron Man with all the padding he's wearing around his body. <laughs> it's like, it, it's like Tony Stark was waiting for, like, the upper chest piece for the armor and he'd be all set. In fact, that could be a good gimmick for Hogan. He just, like, wears, a, like, this foam Iron Man outfit so he can wrestle. Sting would win, go on to win the match and get control back. Immortal would then, pissed off that they lost their mail ticket, attack Sting, and Sting would beg Hogan to save him and come back. Hogan had a moment of consciousness and tore off his Immortal shirt. And save Sting from the attack on Mortal, becoming a face once again, Joe. (laughs) Sting was then put in charge of TNA Impact. And Joe, (laughs) guess what his first order of
0: business was? Obviously, it was to leave uh, the presidency. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no.
1: No? No, no. Even better. What would be the dumbest thing he could do right now with with this uh, power? Uh, geez. you
0: just gotta tell me.
1: His first order of business: putting Hulk right back in <laughs> back in charge. Come on. As he stated, he learned his lesson, so we can trust him with this power. Sure.
2: <laughs>
1: he spent half a year <laughs> trying to get him out of power. Oh man, what are you doing, DNA? <laughs> He didn't do much of anything from here except fail to get the title, elevate talent, and elevate talent. Then finally, on uh, June, June 10th, Sting was announced as the first man in the much-decorated TNA Hall of Fame at Slammiversary 2012, <laughs> and he'd sadly once again failed to win the title. That's the story of Sting's run in TNA, just constantly failing to get the world uh, title. In a meaningful way. Indeed. Uh, currently, right now, there's only two people in the Hall of Fame, as the next man would be Kurt Angle, who refused to go into the Hall. <laughs> <laughs> really? Indeed, as saying that he wasn't worthy of the honor. Oh, come on. Then, come on. And then at the following year, after rehab, he agreed to go into the Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, then.
1: So June 14th, 2012 comes. Sting comes on TV, but he's attacked by three mass assailants. Four weeks later, Sting returned with Hogan. And both guys were again attacked. Sting had uh, Hogan had to get legit surgery, so Sting had to take over as interim GM, despite not wanting anyone to have this power. <laughs> Sting was officially inducted into the Hall of TNA Hall of Fame by the way on October twenty on October thirteenth. The assailants would reveal themselves as a group of evil bikers called Aces and Eights who would somehow have a biker (laughs) hangout club always across the street from the arena. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Sting took on Aces and 8s at Bound for Glory 12 against Nux and Doc, and lost after interference from Devon. So yes, the second time in history that Sting has lost at this event, and it's to Mainstays Nux and Doc. Put that in history books. Yeah, November, On the November 8th of Impact, of Impact, Sting was hit with a ball-peen hammer and then put through a table <laughs> by Aces and Eights and was put out of action for weeks. Coming back on January 3rd of 2013, Sting returns to feud with Aces and Eights. Sting would face off against various members of the group, including joining uh, another lethal lockdown match with TNA, which they which they won. At the very same Lethal Lockdown show, Bully Ray not only won <laughs> the world title, but revealed that he was the leader of Aces and Eights the whole time.
0: <laughs> it was him all along. Uh, it was me,
1: Austin. I mean, Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk would blame Sting for this, as, he, as Sting had actually encouraged Hogan <laughs> to not only give Bully Ray a, t- a world title shot, but but encouraged Hogan to get behind his marriage to Hogan's daughter, Brooke. <laughs> thank thank God you never saw any of that, Joe. That was some scary stuff. Brooke Hogan locking lips with uh, Bully Ray. Uh. <laughs> Sting and Hogan re- reconciled the next week, and Sting became the number one contender for that night for the belt. He lost to Bully Ray at a no-holds-barred match at Slammiversary 2013, and per the stip, Sting never got another shot at the title, and he lost due to every member of Aces and Eight, which already had like 13 members at the time, him running out and consistently interfering. On June 13th, he came on Impact, and he was pissed off. (laughs) He pointed out that while Aces and Eight sent everyone out there to interfere, not a single person from TNA came out to help him. So he will respond by making his own group again, consisting of people from the very same locker (laughs) room that refused to help him earlier. I didn't say it was a good plan. (laughs) It's a plan, for sure. Indeed. As he would recreate everyone's newest, everyone's favorite stable, Main Event Mafia. And it would consist of Samoa Joe, Magnus... And Joe, who would be the, what would be the dumbest person for him to join? Would it be Hulk Hogan? No. Oh. Kurt Angle. Hulk. You know. The Kurt Angle that <laughs> committed mutiny and kicked him out of the group. <laughs> yeah, let's have him back in there. That's great. And uh, UFC fighter Rampage Jackson. Actually, he's with Bellator now, but he's an MMA fighter. So he did next to nothing for the group <laughs> except just stand there because he couldn't fight because he's, he's under contract. TNA is silly. Anyway, <laughs> in winter of 2013, main event Mafia banded after feuding with Aces and Eight for that entire period, as uh, Aces and Eight had finally been defeated. Sting would go on to have two final feuds. First with EC3, which is, by the way, a really fun act in TNA. It's like one of the few things they're doing <laughs> right. EC3, by the way, Ethan Carter the Third, is played by former WWE superstar Derek Bateman. Who's <laughs> really fun? He didn't really get a fair shot, in my opinion, in WWE. I, lo- I really enjoy him. He actually responded t- to a tweet from me one time. Really cool. <laughs> <A> lot- <laughs> it was actually a really fun build up as uh, Ethan the Carter the Third had been saying that he's better than every legend in the business, which got Singh's attention before too long. <laughs> but you know, Ethan Carter the Third didn't want to fight him to a point I mean where. On uh, an addition of uh, Impact, uh, do you know what a Feast or Fired match is? Feast or Fired. Feast or Fired.
0: Well, I, I can I can <laughs> I can put two and two together with the fired part, but what does the feast part entail? All
1: right, so it's essentially their version of Money in the Bank, except not done quite as well. <laughs> uh, they have the men. The men have three titles. They have the world title. They have the X Division title. And they have the tag titles. So from each corner of the ring, there are four suitcases labeled one through four. And uh, inside each one is a different title shot. But inside one of them is a pink slip saying you're fired. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a weird situation. Like You could get a uh, title shot equivalent to Money in the Bank for one of the belts or you're fired. Okay. <laughs> and EC3, rat was given a choice: you can either enter this match, or you have to face Sting tonight. And he chose, without even thi- without even thinking about it, getting into the match that could potentially get him fired.
2: <laughs> okay. Because
1: that because that's how badly he was scared of Sting. <laughs> so finally, he, uh, he, the build-up was really comedic, and I actually enjoyed it. So finally, on January 16th. If they have the match and sting has beaten the tar out of him but he loses thanks to outside interference from tna champion magnus who was uh, part of the same stable as uh ec3 so sting then wanted to fight magnus and he wanted to wanted to get the belt too while he was at it and magnus agreed to face him for the belt only if he put his career on the line on january 23rd 2014. Sting lost due to outside interference. And when I say due to outside interference, Joe, I'm being... That's putting it very mildly, as literally every heel in the company interfered and and took Sting out. (laughs) Which led to Sting getting pinned. One, two, three, Magnus over, and Sting was done. And people were saying, oh, he'll be back. Uh, Nope. February, TNA confirmed. He was (laughs) gone from the company. And which Sting was gone for not that long, as on February 19th, Sting was on full gear with WWE. And for those of you who are wondering how WWE differs from those other companies that Sting was with, uh, listen to this schedule before he even hits the ring. Starting on February 19th, Sting started appearing and doing interviews for DVDs, such as the Second Warrior, the third Warrior DVD set that came out not too recently. He started doing pieces as well for WWE.com, commenting on certain aspects and what have you. Then April 18th, the, they completed and released the Sting DVD set that you know that's out there now. July 14th, he did a commercial for WWE 2K15. The same day, WWE starts selling Sting merchandise on WWE.com. July 24th. Sting made his first appearance for WWE at Comic Con 2014 for the Mattel action figures site, plugging his own uh, action figure with WWE. Then on August 16th, he was a guest on the WWE 2K roster reveal panel, which is still up on uh, still up on the WWE Network. If you want a good laugh, especially when they talk about CM Punk,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I that think was... on the network they edited. It. I mean, because it's on IGN as well, uh, where it's where it streamed originally, and then they put it on the network. I think they, they I think they did something with the audio where their the CM Punk chants were much less prominent than they were. Oh, yeah! Like
1: if you go to the IGN thing, you know, you hear Renee Young; she's
0: like CM Punk, and everyone's like,
1: "Yeah!" Now, if you go to WWE Network, you, Renee says CM Punk, like very depressed, <laughs> and there's nothing, dead silence.
0: Yeah, it's real weird.
1: Yeah. Anyway, then on November 23rd, and now this was a big month for WWE because at the time, the network was free. Uh And this was, like, the first time they did this. So they needed something to, like, grab people's attention and, like, prove to them, you know, you want to get the network because you want to see the stuff that we're going to do. So they needed a real attention getter, Joe. So... Oh, it's Survivor Series. You're getting that for free. The main event, Team Cena versus Team Authority. Team Cena wins. Authority's out of power because (laughs) uh, Vincent McMahon is senile now. That's the whole story there. So the match comes down to Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. Triple H uh, looks like he's about to screw uh, Dolph Ziggler. When the lights go out, you start hearing crows, and then Sting appears. Uh Tell me how you felt watching this moment play out Joe. Uh
0: I'm pretty sure I was having some sort of some sort of episode, uh, emotionally when I saw that it sting it sort of suddenly appeared. I was like, uh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not sting? It it was
1: pretty surreal for because, you know, Joe, did you watch during the Mon- the Monday Night Wars? Yeah, of course. You remember that feeling when you were watching TV, and all of a sudden, like you were watching Raw, and all of a sudden, Jericho was there. Like, oh my God, this guy jumped! <laughs> right. This is pretty much the last time we're going to feel that, is it? Because this is the last guy to jump.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is kind of depressing. Like, <laughs> like, if WWE was smarter, they they should do, they should do that with like NXT or like just make your own competition at this point where you can just have seen a jump or you could like the closest thing you can get to that excitement is like when Neville debuted on raw, for instance. Yeah. But yeah, this was the last time we, we've been waiting for years for this, maybe a little too late as things kind of old now as <laughs> the thing that ruins it for me, unfortunately, and I hate to be the guy, but the fact that he's balding, he's got such <laughs> thinning hair, <laughs> It's like, oh, man, get some spray paint in there or <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, he makes his appearance. He stands face-to-face at Triple H. He goes to a stare down and then, you know, hits him in the stomach with a bat, scorpion, death drop. He helps uh, Dolph Ziggler win, and Team Authority is out of power. Yeah. He would then show up again on January 19th on Raw, making his debut, helping Cena... Win a three-on-one handicap match to get the fired guys rehired. (laughs) Finally ending that storyline. Good God. Uh, Then at Fastlane 2014, Hunter and Sting had a face-to-face where Sting formally challenged uh, Hunter to a match at uh, Survivor Series. Now, before I talk about uh, WrestleMania 31... I just want to talk about, as apparently while Sting was in TNA, there had been many a times that he was this close to signing with WWE. and They were going to do this big match with The Undertaker. But uh, he, w- Sting would uh, point out, you know, like, like, I would just keep thinking back. I would look at what they did with Diamond Dallas Page, and DDP was huge in WCW. He was the people's <laughs> champ. He could have been great. And they killed that character on the first appearance. That's like, and I I couldn't trust them with me. I mean, like for all I know, they would have just jobbed me out the first day I was there. So <laughs> i you know that's why I've never signed because you know I I I can't trust uh, WWE. So he wrestles Triple H at WrestleMania 31, and he jobs Joe. Defend this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> funny. Why Why I gotta defend it? I'm not saying. Oh. It, I mean, it definitely wasn't what anybody expected to happen because you know why would you bring a guy over after 14 years have him be this. Vigilante, as they say, uh, and you know, just to have a job out. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, I, it's not surprising that they that you know they wanted they would want to put WWE over WCW uh, one last time. Uh,
1: well, that's a, that's the a thing that's infuriating because Sting on the go home show for uh, WrestleMania for Raw actually came out and said, dude, I'm not here for WCW. <laughs> yeah, It's really stupid to think I would be here for WCW, but they wouldn't, WWE wouldn't let that not be the story. Like, right. I wanted to punch JBL in the face that entire <laughs> match because the way he was announcing, you would think, I really think he thought that if Sting won, WCW would come back.
0: Or <laughs> right. Like uh, aside from uh, Aside from the result, though, I thought it was an enjoyable match. Uh, no, no, for oh a, no, no, no! For as ridiculous as it got,
1: like just for seeing like X, like DX and NWO fighting that—that uh, that was awesome. That made
0: the <laughs> match for me, even though it made no sense for NWO to come out to help Sting. <laughs> it's like what? what? Why like, would well, they? If you think about that moment, then it's ruined
1: because you got. X Pac, there, who was a part of the NWO, as well as
0: a <laughs> right? Part of- Everything was just thrown together. Like I was kind of expect because DX came out to help Triple H first, uh, and it would have been hilarious if like X Pac turned around and saw you know the NWO coming and and for him to it would have been funny if he got excited to see them like hey more friends <laughs> to beat up Sting, uh, and instead uh, getting his ass kicked. Uh,
1: <laughs> yep. And then there's, like, Hall and Nash, who are a part of the clique, uh-huh. but are against Triple
0: H, which... <laughs> yeah, like I, like I said, like, it, if you think about it even a little bit, none of it made sense, but it was hilarious to see all these, uh, even if they're like, they're, like, twice as old <laughs> as they were before, uh, it was still fun to see them just kind of show up and just start, just start throwing each other around. I mean... There is a,
1: you know, we're going to do a Triple H episode. That's a given, right? Yeah. I mean, in, and you we're, we're going to talk about the fact that, you know, he talked that there are a lot of rumors that, you know, he got the victories in a lot of matches by backstage politicking and convincing people to let him go over people. And people joke that Triple H <laughs> would go over. And like, no, there wouldn't. Once again, why would you do this? Why would you, <laughs> Heinstein, make the, this big deal that he's coming back and job him out the first <laughs> match? I mean, the only thing I could think of is, like, you know, because of what happened with Ronda Rousey and The Rock, that uh-huh. maybe that's going to lead to something at WrestleMania 32. And they thought, well, we got to start building up Hunter now, you know, <laughs> a year out.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard that, uh, or I've read recently, uh, you know, since the uh, WrestleMania that that you know Triple H wanted to lose or thought it would have made more sense to lose, but then Vince being Vince and wanting to get WWE over one last time, uh, overruled the logical decision for the sake of of uh, doing that.
1: It's like the hunter of today. I don't
0: want to believe
1: went up to Vince and like, yeah, I should definitely go. I, I would. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can't like because I mean he's done so like like he's. Done, he's been the opposite of what people claimed him to be for the last ten years. You know, he's he's basically put him. He's let other people put himself or put you know put them over. He's put people over. Uh, last few years, yeah. uh, perfectly fine. So like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: and uh, at a, a stock stockholders uh, uh, call, it was actually oh no they were at they actually talked to S- the Hogan about Sting. And the way he uh, talked about it, he said that he was doing Sting a favor by having him come on for WrestleMania, and uh, that you know, be- I-, I believe the term he used was we took him out of a decade of uh, obscurity to. Yeah. Let him jo- and I was like, first of all, fuck you. <laughs> secondly, <laughs> secondly, it's even if granted TNA, like most people probably didn't see him in TNA, but at the same time, people know Sting. I mean, <laughs> You sold <laughs> tickets for WrestleMania, thanks to Sting.
0: <laughs> the hilarious part too, uh you know, the, that WWE during this build uh for this match, you know, basically pretended that you know, TNA just is a non existent entity, so the whole thing's like, Oh, like, you know, WCW closed shop and this thing disappeared for fourteen years, never to be seen again. <laughs> uh despite the fact that it, he you know, had this lengthy run at TNA. Um and um and the network, you know, they did these WrestleMania Today shows uh, for two days before, before the show, uh, and one of them, the first show on Thursday, uh, they had Rick Flair on to talk about this thing, Triple H match, uh, and you know, they're, and I, I think Michael Cole's talking, and he's like, yeah, like he come like. That w- we shuts down, and, you know, he's gone for 14 years, and Ric Flair being Rick Flair, he's like, what are you talking about? He's Like, he he was he, he wrestled for 10 years after that. <laughs> like, he didn't wrestle here, and he didn't wrestle, like, <laughs> like he wasn't wrestling the likes of me or Booker T, <laughs> but he wrestled uh, fairly consistently for the last 10 years, and then Booker T, like, awkwardly tries to change the subject, and he's like, uh... <laughs> 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 it was hilarious. I recommend everybody watch it just for that. Oh god, it's amazing.
1: You know the bubble WWE lives in, and it's sad that Vince is like that. It's like, nope, WWE beats WCW. It's an inferior product. Like it's an inferior product that had you on the ropes. Over <laughs> yeah, and it's. Uh... That being said, if uh, Triple H and Sting have another match, and it's just. Guys from the attitude area and guys from past their prime from WCW interfering (laughs) each and every time. Like, have three count come out there and then (laughs) Val Venus and the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would, I I would, yeah, like, it's weird because I'm, I I hate the finish, but at the same time, it it was a fun match. I enjoyed it. I agree. The next night on Raw, if you have the app for nine ninety nine, why wouldn't you? Uh, you would get to see Sting come out after Raw. And he was asked at point blank, hey, you lost like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and to which thing, you know, trying to be as upbeat as he can about it, was like, yeah, I lost. But you know what? I wrestled at WrestleMania. So you know what? That's not a total loss, which... To be fair, is true, but still, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was. I would hear from later on the Steve Austin show that he had talked to testing, and it actually was an aspiration for him to just simply wrestle on the WrestleMania stage at least just once. So I, I think that a lot of what he's saying is valid there. Uh, he says, and this is kind of telling, he doesn't know what the future holds for him, but he is open to whatever WWE wants from him. And if WWE doesn't want to do anything with him, then that's a damn shame.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine him having, like, years in WWE or whatever, but, I mean, it'd be nice to see him at least be at WrestleMania next year, uh, and maybe a couple of matches in between. Uh,
1: I will say that uh, the long-rumored match between him and Undertaker, people were chatting Undertaker uh, at him while he was saying, I don't know what the future holds.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he... and he had which a smile. He had a wry smile uh, for that. Yeah.
1: Which I'm impressed about because, you know, the Sting losing sort of killed that for me, because Undertaker goes over. If they were going to have a match next year, you'd think Sting would go over too. But uh, you know, granted, who knows? Maybe Sting wrestles Triple H at SummerSlam and he gets the victory there, and then he looks strong going to the WrestleMania. Right. But, right. but yeah, that would be meaning counting on WWE. Or <laughs> So that is all up to date, folks. Quite the history, and amazingly, only three things involve only four things involving WWE. (laughs) (laughs) That is a first for this show, right there. The most minimal WWE ever. Just to go down his accomplishments really quick. He is a one-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, a one, and this is with WCW first, a one-time NWA World Television Champion. A two-time international heavy, WCW international champion, a two-time WCW United States heavyweight champion all through tournaments, a WCW a six-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a three-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, once with Lex Luger, once with The Giant, and once with Kevin Nash. In TNA, he uh, was an NWA World Heavyweight Champion a four-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, a one-time TNA World Tag Team Champion with Kurt Angle. He won Inspirational Superstar of the Year for 2007. He got Match of the Year for his match with Kurt Angle at Bound for Glory of '07, and his Match of the Year again for AJ Styles at Bound for Glory of '09. And he was an induct he was inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame class of 2012 even though he was the only member of that class <laughs> and that does it for sting and i guess we're at matches now joe yeah all right so if you see two from tna i'm just gonna rifle right for him i recommend the bound for glory match of 09 against aj styles a pretty emotional match actually it was really cool and his bound for glory match of 06 against jeff jarrett and uh over in the WCW side, there's quite a bit. First of all, anything involving Ric Flair or Vader, you can't go wrong. It's classic each yeah. time, but I'll give you specific examples there. Uh, Beach Blast, 92. His match with Cactus Jack falls count anywhere. It was Foley's favorite for a while for a reason. <laughs> By the way, really bummed him at, Really Sting out when uh, Mick Foley told him that he was no longer his favorite match of all time. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Why would you tell someone like? I don't know. <laughs> that's a good
2: question.
1: It's nice kind of do. a dick. It's like just call him up in the middle of the night. By the way, you're no longer my favorite. <laughs> match. Uh, Wrestle War '92: Sting Squadron versus Dangerous Alliance. Actually, really good match. They act the the fight gets so vicious they actually start destroying the ring. It's actually <laughs> it holds up. It's really good. Uh, Starcade '92: uh, The matchup he had with Big Man Vader. Uh, Great American Bash 1990, where he won uh, for the first time against Ric Flair. Halloween Havoc 89, Sting and Flair versus Terry Funk and Great Muda in the Thunderdome match, which was actually a really fun brawl. Uh, His Super Brawl 3 match with Vader. His uh, teaming up with Lex Luger against the Steiner Brothers uh, at Super Brawl 1. We should form a tag team. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) uh Starcade 1990 his match with the Black Scorpion just just for a laugh oh, folks man. you he'll you, laugh watching this one uh if you can find it it won't be on the network but Don Taku 1994 his fi- the final match of Rick Rude's career uh, Fall Brawl '96, the uh, Team WCW versus Team NWO. He's only—he's not in it for that long, but it was—it's just—it's kind of a historic match in the history of the character. And this one's my personal, just one personal for me, Halloween Havoc of '98, where you see him get to take on Bret Hart for the very first time. And uh, those are my picks. Uh, did you have any to point out, Joe?
0: No, I think you covered all the all the best ones in there. Whew. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot to bring it up during the TNA part, but uh, <laughs> there's this one part that happens that I've seen a GIF uh, for like a hundred times, uh, and it's I, like I don't know what the context is because I've watched very little TNA, but like Sting is, is it the gassed one? <laughs> it, no, it's 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 where where Sting's sitting in the crowd or something, and and I think RVD approaches him and. And he pulls out. He pulls off. With, it's a dude sitting in in the in the crowd, right? Like wearing a sting mask, and he pulls it off, and it's it's sting in the face paint. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is he wearing a mask and the face paint at the same time? It's did he start beating him up after? That? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And it makes no sense to me because I have no idea what the context is. I'm guessing that was leading
1: up to that matchup. They had at impact. But it's like <laughs> it's so great. Where he was just looking for Sting, and Sting was just hiding in plain sight.
0: <laughs> in the plainest sight. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite GIFs. Oh, oh, man. It's so good.
1: Like, I remember when we had Tyler on the firmware update. Uh, Sting was his favorite character. Uh-huh. And I used to pick on him with this uh, GIF of Sting running to the ring at TNA and stopping at, like, one-fourth of the way, and then the word ghast appears <laughs> over it. His- <laughs> Because he was pretty old back then, folks. Oh, and uh, even more depressing, Sting is the oldest man in uh, wrestling history to make their debut at the WrestleMania, so that's, <laughs> awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, he's,
0: what, 55 now? 50, 55, 56, I believe. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, I'm looking at the gif now, by the way, and, it, and it, it, what it is is it's RVD kind of high-fiving the crowd or whatever uh, before or before or after a match, I'm not sure. Uh, and then the man in a Sting mask comes just comes out, from crouched behind the fence or the railing or whatever, and hits him with the chair. Uh, and then he pulls Do off the favor. mask, and it's and it's this it's thing. It's like what?
1: <laughs> Do send, me a favor and send that. I to will.
0: Me. I will send it to you post face right now, uh, and you can right. see for yourself. But it's it's, it's I can't. <laughs> I'm rambling about it, but man, it's okay. Uh. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen it?
1: No, no, it's a, Oh, I th- okay. He's holding the. TNA t- TNA belt, so this is like leading up to their their cha- the championship <laughs> match they had. So Sting good. is pretty fat in that picture, too. My God. Yeah,
0: but I mean, it's, it's great. The whole sequence is great. I'm disguised as myself. All right, so I guess we should just get right into the plugs. Uh, Slam University, you can find it on slamuni.com. You can subscribe to the show uh, on iTunes where you can rate- review it as well. Increase our visibility. That'd be very nice. Uh, if you don't want to use iTunes, you can also subscribe in a number of different ways. We've got our RSS feed, of course. So you can find us on Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, all, wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, you can find us right there. Uh, no issue whatsoever. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at Slam University. You can find me at One Twenty Three 23 and Malcolm at P.S. Milk. Um, what else? I feel like I'm missing something here. Am I missing here something? something here, Malcolm?
1: Uh, P.S. Malka uh, at com. You got the WordPress account. Right. You talked, you talked about Citra Radio, <laughs> Android apps, and all that.
0: All right, yeah. So I guess that covers it then. Uh, if, you want to uh, if you want to get, to get more know, of us, though, uh, in a non-wrestling uh, context, you can also find us over at uh, the Former Update Podcast, which you can find at uh and do all the same plug stuff for us uh, in terms of iTunes and feeds. Uh, with that, you can do that for us as well. So. Do that, please. Um, but that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. All righty. That's man, I that I didn't expect this one to go so long. The T N
1: wrestled two careers in another company.
0: <laughs> I did not expect the TNA stuff to be so intensive. Fourteen years, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we bid you uh, adieu, friends. All righty. Later. We will. Catch you for another episode in a couple of weeks.